Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions. We hope to see you there. Today, we welcome Catherine Hiller, who is 76. Civil Unbound is Catherine Hiller's 10th book. It's a bold novel about the sexual adventures of an older woman. In the same spirit as Erica Zhang, Dr. Ruth, and Candace Bushnell, Hiller's 10th book breaks the taboo about portraying the sexuality of older women, but also challenges the monogamous ideal. A frequent controversial writer of taboo subjects, Catherine is an award-winning author of provocative fiction, an educator, editor, and co-producer of documentary films. She's been published in the New York Times, Art Magazine, Ms. Penthouse, The Girlfriend, Next Tribe, The Westchester Review, and more. Catherine graduated summa cum laude from Brooklyn College and got a PhD in English from Brown University. She's lived in Brooklyn and Greenwich Village and now with her husband in Westchester County in Sag Harbor, New York. She has three sons, two granddaughters, and a dog. So, Catherine, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. (laughs) Thank you for including me on this broadcast. You're welcome. You know, I read Sybil Unbound from cover to cover in one sitting. It reminded me of Lady Chatterley's Lover, which was a taboo book we all read in grammar school. So I have to ask you, what led you on this path of writing controversial subjects? I guess I've always been something of a nonconformist. And as a writer, it didn't seem to me worth writing what other people had already written. And so if they have opinions I agree with, this would be a subject that would not be promising to me. But when I find I can have a take, uh, an opinion which is contrary to the public, you know, to general uh, thought, then I find it somehow inspires me. So basically, I do write against the grain. And one example of that was my one of my few nonfiction books, maybe my only nonfiction book, right, Um, which was called Just Say Yes, a Marijuana Memoir. And this Just Say Yes book was published eight years ago, and times have changed a lot since then. But at the time, it was mainly illegal, and there was a lot of stigma attached to smoking pot. So when I came out with my book, and then during interviews would say, well, yeah, I've smoked pot every day for about 50 years. It hasn't hurt me. And I think it's a, you know, it's a terrific alternative to alcohol. That was a controversial stand, but I believe in that stand to this day. <laughs> well, I, and, and your books certainly do speak to that for sure. You, you, um, you do write about older women and sexuality and all. You want to tell us some more about that? Sure. Um, well, there is this notion, and 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 people are fighting against this notion now. But until quite recently, the the idea was that basically by menopause you were no longer much of a sexual creature. You were neither viewed that way by others, nor did perhaps women view themselves that way. Mm-hmm. But 
there's a lot of there are a lot of older women who say that after menopause, you know, sex is still very exciting. And that more importantly, the capacity to fall in love does not change and that you can fall violently in love uh, very late in your life. I, I know two examples of this. Um, one is my aunt who was married to the same man for many, many years. She became a widow. She moved to Florida and she met someone else. And she said to me, told me never had she felt as passionate and as thrilled to be with someone as she was with her new boyfriend, who then became her husband. So, you know, love can strike at any age. And um, I think that fiction can show us some of the possibilities in life. And mm -hmm. so in my book, it shows that there's a, a possibility for a woman to fall passionately in love. And in fact, in my book, she starts having her adventures at the age of 42, which I now regard as quite young. <laughs> and she goes <laughs> on and on and perhaps her most significant and overwhelming uh, experience of being in sexual thrall happens when she's in her late 60s. So I wanted to get this out there to let people know this is possible. And, you know, fiction can be either a daydream in which you sort of indulge your fantasies by reading, or it can open you up a little and be something of a prescription. So I'm hoping that when people read, you know, Civil Unbound, that they feel a certain agency and that they say, wait a minute, maybe I won't say no automatically. Maybe I'll take this a little further and see what happens. <laughs> you know, your uh, your language in the book, as I, as I mentioned, I read it um, from cover to cover. The language in the book is really quite erotic. And so how did you come to, to you know, write that way? Well, first of all, Gail, let me thank you so much for having read the book in its entirety, which is very unusual for interviewers. In, in my case, I'm sort of lucky if they've glanced through the jacket cover. So to know that my book enthralled you, to know that, you know, Civil Unbound gripped you and you read the whole way, great. Um, I don't know about erotic language. I don't think there's a single of the, you know, single one of the commonly thought of erotic, you know, or curse words in the book at all, I try to be fairly delicate about it. Um, so I would handle, you know, for instance, I don't think I ever mentioned the sexual organs, um, because I don't think that's erotic writing to say what thing went in there and how it, you know, I, that <laughs> does not interest me whatsoever. But what does interest me is um, finding a language to uh, express our sexual emotions. For instance, instead of describing like, the, and this is, by the way, this is the one toward the end of the book where she's in her late 60s and she's starting to have an affair with somebody. I, here's way, the way I describe the kiss. His mouth always knew what her mouth wanted most. Lip, tongue, pressure, softness, dryness, wetness, rhythm, rest. So, yes. <laughs> you know, is that erotic? I don't know. It doesn't use the normal erotic language, but it's a sort of philosophical inquiry about, you know, about kissing. 
And there's another little piece I wrote sort of that I think is sort of interesting. And is, is this the language of sex or of philosophy or of love? So I have here, why do we laugh so much with a new partner? Mm. Perhaps it's sudden complicity, that thrilling superiority we feel to everyone else in the world. Perhaps it's a general lowering of restraint. When we laugh is when we come, we are out of control. Both, so, both of those I remember very uh, too. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so, um, Catherine, I'm I'm uh, on chapter eight. So, okay, um, what's that? Let me see. <laughs> when you so when Sybil when you when it starts, Sybil's forty two and she says she's too old for most men. Right. And by the time she's sixty two, she's had affairs with men fifteen years younger, and now it looks like somebody's going to be even younger than that. Mm -hmm. And um, and <laughs> well, <she's>, no. <laughs> Did you meet the fan from Alabama? Yes. Okay. So, yes, she does have an, a, a brief yeah. thing with somebody younger. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing that struck me was um, that it, at least starting out, it seemed that she was breaking the mold, too, that she could just enjoy the physicality of of the, of the having sex with with men and didn't necessarily have to have the emotional intimacy attachment first although that tended to to happen over time but i can you say what what do you think about that about the I think they go together and some people are more aware of one first than the other it's true that when she first meets mel they don't have this very deep bond exactly you know they're dancing together he says she's hot they're both away from home so that she feels a much greater freedom than she would mm -hmm. if she were in her own little suburb with her kids sort of monitoring her. So here she's away and she's thrilled. I mean, she's just been left with, you know, she her husband has left her and this guy is interested in her and she's she's responding. And here's what I write about that. She felt reckless, feckless, gorgeous. Here she was, a woman in her prime in a strange city with a new man. If only James could see her now, that's her ex, <laughs> James and his horrible Janice. So, <laughs> you know, that is her emotional attitude. She's out there. She's open. And she does start a, a kind of interesting relationship with this guy, Mel, because they do everything except for the normal thing. They never actually have sexual intercourse, right? Mm -hmm, but they're right. doing all these other things. And so she gets very involved with him. Initially, it's just that, you know, she likes the way he dances. But as they meet more and more, she does feel something much greater for him. So I do think for most women, if they have sexual joy, there's going to be a lot of emotions attached to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I would not ever like to be detached from emotions or from sexuality for that point of view. But it's mm -hmm. so. When, when, yeah, go ahead. When you and I talked, we had a lovely conversation about your writing and about your background and all. And we touched on the topic of monogamy versus non monogamy. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I would love for you to say a little bit more about how you think about that. I think this is an interesting topic that's being called into question the idea of can we be monogamous all of our lives to one person? And in this day and age, since we have long lives, 
we're talking about maybe, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of fidelity to one human being. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible? It's possible. Is it necessary in every marriage or relationship? I think people are asking that question. There's a very popular uh, sex writer, sex columnist called Dan Savage. He writes, he says that monogamish is what many gay couples do. They are bonded. They expect to live forever with each other, but they allow for the occasional fling. And so this is a topic that is sort of spreading. Often gay people actually introduce topics that, you know, go into the wider population. Uh, So I think that this is an idea that's out there. And, you know, people have always had affairs. Uh, Mostly it's been clandestine. And I think that to this day it mostly is. But we should be aware of the fact that there is a movement uh, called polyamory. And in polyamory, you you know often have a primary partner and live with that partner and expect to always be there. But you can have other lovers. Your marriage can be open. And one of the challenges of this, but it's absolutely essential to that concept, is the idea of honesty with your primary partner. And whether this works or not, I'm not sure. I haven't heard of many successful versions of this. But the fact is, it's an animating idea, and a lot of young people are considering it. Um, older people may be more comfortable with the clandestine affair, with you know something that you do because it brings you joy. You don't do it out of spite. You never plan to leave your partner, but sometimes you just may want more. And there is a woman uh, who has written a book called Women Who Want More. Her name is Susan Barash. And it's, again, about this particular notion that a woman can decide to have a little bit more joy in her life or some people, you know, for some people, the eros is first. Maybe their husbands are no longer interested in them sexually or maybe, you know, we do seek novelty as a species, particularly in sexuality. So maybe, you know, this woman is seeking some novelty. But whatever it is, my take is it doesn't have to end the marriage. And in fact, it can make the marriage a little easier because you're not asking for every single thing from one person, you know, uh-huh. you may get a lot from your husband, but you may not get that. And everybody has different attitudes to that. Most women would say, all right, we've, you know, we've made love for 30 or 40 years. It's not there now. That's too bad. But other people, people like Sybil say, no, I, I, I don't want to let that go. I, you know, I'm a sexual human being. Uh, so I am going to, from time to time, if I fall in love, I will pursue that. And that is Sybil's philosophy. When I mention Sybil, I want your um, listeners to know it's spelled C-Y-B-I-L-L. Uh, so it's, think of Sybil Shepherd, um, you know, who was also a bit of a rogue in real life. And um, anyway, <laughs> she's written a great book. Uh, it's called Civil Disobedience. Actually, she had a, you know, a, a writer help her out with this book. Oh. But Amy Lee Ball, I believe, was the co-writer. But anyway, it's a very entertaining book. And it names all these Hollywood stars that she would be having, you know, affairs with, you know, at the same time of this, that and that one. Uh, so, you know, what I'm writing about is known in the real world, you know? This yeah, of course. 
<laughs> yes. Well, what other taboo subjects have you written about? Uh, well, the marijuana book. Um, it's not that I'm seeking them out, but I am seeking new ways to express things. So when I became a grandmother, uh, you know, and I have to say that being a grandparent seems to be the one experience that is more than, you know, lives up to its, you know, promise. <laughs> Everybody says, wait till you become a grandmother. Yes, wait till you become a grandmother. It is one of the most thrilling experiences in life. So what could I write about that? Could I write about, oh, this is one of the most thrilling experiences in my life and my granddaughter and I, and we bond. Now, that would be a, a, a truth that we all know. What would, I would never write that. It wouldn't interest me. Mm-hmm. What I did write about, for I think it was for Next Tribe, um, or maybe it was for The Girlfriend. These are both online publications for older women. And the girlfriend is sponsored by AARP, so it has quite a reach, mm-hmm. you know. So what I ended up writing about was not a mawkish thing about, you know, I love my granddaughter so much. No, I have to write about that. Frankly, she lives in California. I live in New York. When I saw her, she didn't want anything to do with me. She turned her back on me, <laughs> and the very word grandma would make her cry. So we ha- we couldn't use the word grandma, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I decided to be a coquette with her, to like pretend I wasn't interested and to not let her watch my toy. And I turned my back to her. Well, okay. So you get the idea. I wasn't (laughs) the traditional thing, you know, and I didn't act in a traditional way. And of course, she came toddling over to me to see what I was playing and I wouldn't let her see and so on and so forth. You know, and we related and then we ended up having the best time together. But uh (laughs) You know, I had to do it my way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And and uh, so we talked also a little bit about novelty and stories, and I guess that's what all of this is about. Really, is novelty and how you present it. But um, you you had a different take on that. Is there something more about it you'd like to say about novelty? Yes. What or gets what? what gets written? Well, what gets written is the thorn in your side. I mean, you know, (laughs) you want to make sense of that thorn. And, you know, in some ways, sexuality is a thorn. It disrupts things. It makes you take, you know, life in a new direction. So (laughs) I wanted to write about that novelty and the fact that it doesn't end when you're 45. Not necessarily. Of course, everybody's different. And some people, it really would end. But I wanted to write about a woman who did not see this ending for her. And mm-hmm. as she kept getting older, she kept, in fact, finding her sexuality was in some way increased, particularly with the the person who actually has prostate cancer. So they can't particularly make love in the normal way. But she is so overwhelmed, you know, by love for him that she doesn't even recognize this feeling. It is so overwhelming. She doesn't, th- she just says, oh God, what a weird feeling. And then when the feeling lessens a little bit, she says, oh, oh, that strange feeling is sexual excitement. But it was so overwhelming for her in her late sixties that she just had never had anything like it. And I, I do think that kind of experience is possible for some women. And I just wanted to write about it. That makes so much sense. And we're glad you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's great to know that, you know, the book might resonate and might make people think 
a little bit more about their own sexuality and their own possibilities for joy. You know, Catherine has written, Catherine Marino has written a book about uh, called Beyond Menopause and about sexuality for older women. Really? What's it called again? It's called Beyond Menopause, oh, New Beyond. Pathways okay. to Holistic Health. Yeah, We have one chapter on sexual health uh-huh. and uh, about the um that we are we are always sexual beings whether we act on it or not and encouraging women to really continue to explore and expand that part of themselves and and as we've been giving talks about our book the one topic that people are really interested in is this notion of sexuality and intimacy in later life so i'm so delighted to have you have this book out there because I'm going to be referring to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, there are certain facts that are uncomfortable facts and, and maybe make sex uncomfortable for certain people. There's no gainsaying the fact that it's 70. We're not 20. But mm. in some ways, we could be even more uh, highly attuned than when we were 20. Mm-hmm. And this is you know, I was only recently aware of this tremendous stuff that happens when we fall in love, the, the tremendous brain chemicals, um, dopamine, um, oxytocin, they're all released in our brain when we have strong feelings, strong passions for someone. And that does not diminish in later life. I, mm-hmm. I, as far as I'm concerned, I think it increases, in fact, that particular overwhelming mental and emotional desire for someone. So I think that's worth mentioning because it's certainly true that in other aspects, which could be more easily measured, perhaps sexuality decreases. Certainly the frequency of it decreases for most of us. But I wanted everyone to be aware of the fact that the emotional intensity of an affair does not at all have to decrease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a powerful, wonderful message. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, I'm curious, Catherine, about um, how your family um, responds to your your material, to your writing. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> the pop book was pretty easy for them, right? Uh <laughs> I mean, my kids all smoke pot. We smoke pot together. And when I talk about my kids, we're talking about children in their 40s. So, you know, I'm not corrupting the youth, right? (laughs) That was okay. My fiction, they've all, and they're all boys. There's three boys, which is why in all of my books, there's always a daughter. There's always some daughter. The daughter I never had comes, makes an appearance. (laughs) And she does here in Sybil too. And she's very disapproving in Sybil for some reason. And I would have to say that it's been not the easiest thing for my boys to be the sons of a woman who writes pretty obviously about sexuality. I remember when one of my sons was little and I have a study and I have, you know, most authors will have their books in their studies, you know, jackets out so everyone can see. Before he'd have friends over, he would turn my books around. <laughs> you really couldn't see the jackets. So he was embarrassed and you know i'm sorry you know every parent has their advantages and disadvantages and i imagine for most of them for growing up it wasn't you know a wonderful thing that their mom was interested in writing about this kind of subject matter 
Um, but luckily, you know, there are enough other things that I bring to our relationship. I'm, I'm so happy with my wonderful sons, my wonderful men. Um, but they, how do they deal with Civil Unbound? By not talking about it at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's how they deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not going to, you know, go there or press them at it. You know, they know I'm usually eager to talk about everything. Um, and if this makes them uncomfortable, okay, I can get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Then what's next for you? Ah, uh, there's well, first of all, I really love this new pr- writing practice I've been doing, which is called, which is on Substack. Substack is a way to get newsletters out in a tidy way. And it's its own little ecosystem. You can comment on what you've seen written and so on. And I just love this format. Some people use Substack to, to make money and go, f- it's fine for them, you know, if they want to charge money. Uh, some There are some Substack millionaires, uh, people like Andrew Sullivan, who are very well known. And if you want to read his Substack, you'll hear from him directly. No editor, no, nothing in between him and you, but you will be paying $6 a month. And that's fine. That's the way I, I believe writers should be paid. In my own Substack, which is called The Pleasure Principle, I don't have a paid option. So it's all going to be free because that's how I feel about it. And um, what I write in The Pleasure Principle is weekly little takes on pleasure. And sometimes the pleasure is a kind of obvious pleasure that you might think about. And sometimes the pleasure is something a little less obvious. Like I once wrote a a whole post on the pleasure of having pockets and how women don't have pockets in their clothes (laughs) and why that makes it, you know, haven't you ever bought a new dress and you slide your hand down and, oh, what a thrill. There's a pocket in there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was a pleasure. Uh, I wrote a, a, a post about the pleasure of sneezing, for instance. Is that a pleasure? Well, in my post, it is. So I like <laughs> to look at life as what can it offer people in the way of pleasure? And if you wanted to subscribe to the pleasure principle, you'd go to my website, which is katherinehiller.net. And then you'd see a way you'd click something and then you would get this little post in your email um, once a week. I try to make it at the same time every time. Tuesday at 11, 11 Eastern time, it goes out. And um, it's been a real thrill. So that's one thing I do on a regular basis. Um, uh, I have two novel ideas. One, which was a novel that I kind of abandoned about 20 or 30 years ago. I don't know why. When I look back on it, you know, it's got a lot that's good there. So I'm thinking of doing that. And then there's another new piece, new novel that would be a shorter novel. And that is called um, The Other Woman. And it's an odd notion of the other woman, the one that uh, the man is having an affair with, is trying to improve the man's marriage because she doesn't want anything to change. She doesn't want him available and free. She wants him <laughs> just the way she has him. So first she, she said, you know, that's an original topic, right? Have you ever read Absolutely. about that happening? No. So I am really drawn to that because no one has written it. And I think it has some great comic possibilities. So I am, you know, kind of, even while I'm looking at my old book, I'm thinking of this new book and, you know, the other woman, has so many interesting possibilities. So I, I don't <laughs> want to go there. <laughs> well, that's terrific. Is there anything you would like to say to our listeners who are 
you know, uh, around your age and older that sure. you'd like to leave them with? <laughs> we're very lucky, most of us. And I don't minimize the fact that, you know, with old age comes ill health to either ourselves, our friends or our partners. And that's the real sadness. So there's always a little tinge of melancholy when you see someone you haven't seen in a while, you notice a big change or you notice they have to use a cane. There is that. And I don't want to say that that doesn't happen. But there's also our whole inner and emotional life that can be richer than ever. There's also the fact that we have, many of us have a lot of time for the first time in our lives. So if we're not hustling to, you know, to earn a living or if we're not changing somebody's diaper, we have more time to reflect on what makes us happy, what makes us whole and how we can give. And um, so it could be a very rich period of our lives too. this being over 70. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, 70 is quite a demarcation because from the Bible, you know, there is this injunction of three score and 10 being like your life, right? That's 70. <laughs> so those of us who were on the other side and well on the other side, it's like, gee, you know, this is extra time. This is bonus time. And <laughs> there have been studies that show that in our 70s is when we reach peak happiness, mm -hmm. not 20s, not 30s or 40s. But I saw this graph and I said, wow, 70s. So that's really wonderful to know that I'm not alone in feeling this sort of surge of happiness at what my life has become now, mm -hmm. that many of us feel that that sense of freedom and that sense of joy. Yes, that's a beautiful well, note, too. That's a beautiful well note to close on. Well, thank you. Yes. So thank, thank you. you very much, Catherine. And you're you. welcome. And I do hope that this podcast encourages people to think about themselves in a slightly different way. I hope they'll look for my book, Sybil Unbound. I hope they'll go to my website, katherinehiller.net. And I hope they'll all have happier and more joyful lives. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. Support women over 70 and let your voice be heard. And help us change the conversation about women aging.